You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Our passage this morning is Psalms chapter 138. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll get to that in a moment. But if you want to go ahead and turn there and put your thumb in it, you can. A few days ago, I was mowing our yard trying to catch up on, uh, on it between rain showers. I can't remember ever going a whole summer and not seeing brown grass. And that has been our summer. And so uh, my mowing schedule and my other schedule were not in line <laughs> uh, this year, as I'm sure is the same for many of you. My yard takes me about two and a half to four hours to mow, depending on how long it goes between mows, uh, how many times I have to go back over it, all of those things. I'm being waved down because I've forgotten to dismiss the kiddos. So I will own that and apologize. And kiddos, if you'd like to go to class, you may do so. We've got some great teachers in there today. Be sure to thank them. I just think it's really cool when you stay with us. That's why I always forget. <laughs> okay, back to my story about grass, mowing it, taking it a long time. When I actually find time to mow, I don't need to mess with something. Is it, can anybody here relate? You know, it's like I need to be able to get on it start it, it needs to work and do what it's made to do, right? Cut the grass, mow, all of those things. Not fiddle with this or that, tires, maintenance, you name it. Well, I got about half the yard done on this day and I was making pretty good time and I thought, I checked the time and got a drink of water inside and I thought, well, I think I've got time to finish it up. So I go back outside, hop on it and not even one lap around the new section I cut a corner too close, going around an electric pole. And evidently there's this metal conduit sticking out at the bottom of it. And I've yet to ask Dan why it's even there. I can't see that it's attached to a ground or anything. It's just there. And so I was then blessed with a three-inch hole in one of my rear tires. Trying to think positively in the moment. You know, trying to put away thoughts of bad words and <laughs> I don't have time for this and things along those lines. Uh, landing on, I guess I needed to buy a new tire. Perhaps this is saving me from something else down the road that while I'm mowing along a four-foot culvert, it wouldn't blow out then and I end up in the ditch right upside down. So I'm trying to think positively about it and I'm like, okay, so obviously I can't finish the yard today, but I still need to get this tire off and figure out if somebody around here has a tire the same size, if I'm going to order it. So I go to get my jack and go out there. And of course my jack does not conveniently slide underneath my mower. Um, I was like, well, I can either dig out a chunk of the yard to get it low enough underneath, or I can figure out another way to get the mower up high enough to get the jack under it so then I can raise it and take this blessing off of my mower. 
So I found a, pom- a stump that, of some wood I'd cut up and had, to, had happened to have a six-foot pry bar from my construction days in the garage and got it all leveraged up and the fulcrum being the stump and all at the right position so that I could push on it on this end, get the mower off the ground and, you know, you, come on guys, you've done this, right? <laughs> You're like kicking the jack underneath well the grass is too tall so then it's like okay so I got a stick in this hand sliding the jack under while I'm holding it thankfully my wife wasn't watching me while I did all this yeah thankfully that was not happening everybody was busy inside I made sure of that (laughs) trying to get this mower off the ground I eventually did got it changed had to repeat the process at the end of it all to get it back down The log I used to get that lever bar was my fulcrum that allowed me to pick up something much heavier than if I just went up to the side of it and pick it up. I did try. I didn't get much much clearance going that way. In my personal experience, though, of pain and suffering, whether it's been grieving the loss of a family member, loss of a child, financial hardships, job loss, difficult relationships, and even walking alongside others who are going through hard things. When it comes to praising God through it all, at first it can feel an awful lot like trying to pick something up off the ground much heavier than I am capable of picking up. having the tools necessary, the log, the pry bar, and even some experience, having learned about levers and fulcrums and having had to do this prior in my life, having that experience gave me some groundwork to help get that mower off the ground. This morning's topic, our final element of lament is praise. And I hope that we all walk away today with those tools, those preparations, those things that we can do along the way to give us what we need to lift up that sometimes immensely heavy object of pain and praise to God, even through the hard times. The elements that we've covered in lament, prayer, biblical complaint, a request are kind of like those tools that I use to lift the mower, the lever, the stump, the firm ground underneath, the different things. There's a popular Christian song, I'm sure you've heard it, it says that I will praise you through the storm. There's one of the lines in it. And while it's a catchy song and a song that I have sang it can still seem very impossible to do that in the moments when life is hitting us at its hardest. Let's review. Let's review, especially if you're new or uh, since we had a guest speaker last week, let's review again uh, with me on what lament is before we dive deeper into the element of praise and lament and our text of Psalm 138. 
Lament, the definition we've used was from the book that Mark Brogop wrote, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, An Honest Cry of a Hurting Heart. That is wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. And life is hard. If it hasn't been hard yet, it will be. We can count on that. We can plan for it because we live in a broken and fallen world because of sin. And so we're going to experience hardships through our grief, through our loss, through oppression, through ramifications and consequences of our sin. Therefore, Scripture gives us examples, books, passages in the book of Psalms on lament, to lament, how to lament, so that we can pray, birthed from that place of pain, in order to increase our faith in and praise of our Lord and Savior. It's a journey, as we've said all along. It's not a stopping place. And the journey is to shift our focus off of ourselves and towards Jesus Christ. He is the answer to the question of why. Why is this happening? Why me? As we do so, as we journey, sometimes one breath at a time, we have hope. We will experience hope through him, through his word, which will anchor us in the storms of life. It will also be the wind in our sails to press on, trusting and praising him. And so there are four elements of lament, three of which we've looked at. Prayer being what our first response should be. Going to God in prayer. Going to the one who is the answer and the solution to our pain. What should we pray when we hurt, when we are in pain, when we just don't have the answers? We should express our complaint, our biblical complaint to him. The second element of lament and we define that as it being an expression of our grief, our oppression, or our sin to God. This expression is not out of pride. God, I deserve more. I deserve better. This position of expression is out of humility. Being filled with faith. A faith that comes through knowing God, believing in Him, saturating ourselves in His Word, the journaling that we've done, hopefully along the way, the series, being able to look back and see where He has come through because we need to be reminded of those in the moments when the waves of emotion feel like they're going to drown us. And that expression of our biblical complaint also needs to be God-centered. We know our complaint is it going the right way and in the right direction when the fruit of our complaint reveals a life of humility and obedience to him. A life living out the GC squared life that we talk about around here. The great commandment and the great commission. A life that reflects living out loving God, loving others, and sharing the gospel. The third element of lament that we looked at is the part of our prayer where we bring our requests to God. 
We're asking him to act according to his character and his will on our behalf. And the reason that it's about that is because God is good. And all the time, he is good. And he is the one who is unchanging, unlike us. There's days that we feel like we're on top of the world, and there's days that we feel like the world's on top of us. But for God, it doesn't change. And so we must anchor ourselves in the hope and in the fact that God is good. There were specifically three traits of his goodness we looked at. His sovereignty, his grace, and his love. When we ask God to act according to his character and will, we're submitting to his authority. We're trusting him that he is God and we are not. Trusting that he knows best and that we do not. That's our sin nature, always vying for that position of authority in our lives. We're always trying to be God of our lives. We have to remind ourselves often that we are not, because he created us after all. He gives us our very next breath. He makes sure our heart beats however many times a minute our hearts are beating right now. And because he is our loving father, because he knows the beginning to the end, and even before that and after that, that we can't even wrap our minds around, we can trust that he knows what's best for us. Like a parent who knows what's best for their one-year-old trying to touch the hot stove. So this morning as we conclude our time of lament, these elements at least together here corporately, I pray that it becomes a practice in each of your lives as it has become that way for me. But as we do, we will look at where we choose to praise and worship God, our loving Father, and Jesus Christ, the merciful and the gracious Son, regardless of the pain, regardless of how much it hurts. So if you're willing and able, would you stand with me while we read this morning's passage? Psalm chapter 138. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. All the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have promised. They will sing of the Lord's ways, for the Lord's glory is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. If I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand. Your right hand will save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Amen. You may be seated.
So we're going to use this text this morning as our roadmap, if you will. It's going to give us guidance so that we might gain the experience, train, and prepare, equip ourselves with the spiritual tools that we need in order to lift up that seemingly impossibly heavy object of pain and praise to God. Let's zoom in on verse 1 and the first part of 2 to begin with. The writer of this psalm is believed to be David. Here he declares three forms of how he is going to resolutely worship and praise God. Through thanks, through singing praise, and through bowing down. The I will before each form of worship communicates a resolve to intentionally worship. There's no ifs. There's not... I will if things go good for me, God. I will if you make sure all my enemies are defeated. Or I will if my family would just behave. Or I will if my bank account's full. No, there were no ifs. It's I will give thanks. I will sing praise. I will bow down. Now David elaborates on the why in the remaining verses. But with each form that he expresses this, he's signifying his worship both in private, where it's just him and God, as well as in public. Either corporately in the temple or before the nation or with his soldiers he was out running around with. Scripture isn't, we aren't clear 100% exactly when he penned this psalm in his life. But with each of these, it's going to be something that he's going to do both privately as well as publicly. Every part of his life. We live in a country that has many blessings and benefits. We have a lot of freedoms here that many other places of the world do not. And yeah, there's some things going on around here that are discouraging and disheartening and not ideal, for sure. But yet at the same day, same time, not one of us had to worry about being caught and thrown in jail on our way here. We weren't having to sneak between buildings to make it in for fear of our family or neighbors seeing us so that they would report us. We didn't have to worry about stepping on a landmine and getting blown up in order to get here. You see... I fear that many Christians in this country, when they choose to follow and accept Christ, they do so out of more of a convenience than a true conviction. I will learn to truly follow him with everything I have, to truly give him thanks, to truly bow down, to truly sing his praise. I'll figure that out as I go. Because I really don't have to worry about it. I, it's not like you're going to lose your job the next day. It's not like your family's going to turn you in or kick you out of the house. Yeah, we can experience some oppression. We can. For sharing our faith, for being bold about what we believe. We can. I'm not making light of that. But I do think, in comparison to our neighbors in Knoll, if a Somalian were to come to know Christ, their very lives would be threatened. 
In fact, I've been made aware of a couple who've had to flee for their very lives when they chose to follow Christ. In Noel. And when they attempted to go to our sister church, Josh Manning would have to hide him trying to sneak in to get there for fear of being found out. Or the young woman who chooses to accept Christ in the Middle East and her father has the right to put her to death over it if he finds out. They literally have to choose to pick up their cross and follow Christ the moment they choose him. Whereas we're kind of like, we'll get around to it. But first I want to do this or that or finish this. See, David wasn't that way. He said, I will give thanks. I will sing praise. I will bow down with a resolution, with a commitment of someone who was willing to lose everything. Someone who was willing to dance in his skivvies before the whole nation praising his Savior. Not caring what anyone thought. David was all in. He was not perfect. He was not perfect. But he relentlessly pursued God, asking for forgiveness, receiving his mercy and praising him through it all. How? How was he able to do this? Even when he experienced the loss of his best friend, Jonathan. Even when he was being oppressed by Jonathan's dad, the king. Trying to kill David. Living in the wilderness and off the land. Even worse, later on, consequences of David's sin when his old sons were trying to dethrone him. How? How can we still praise God through the pain, through the suffering, through prosperity? I don't care what your annual income is. I can promise you it's better than most of the world. (laughs) David expands on this, the rest of this chapter. Psalm 138, the second part of verse 2. We see here God's constant love and truth. His covenant love. Meaning that this is not a feeling, but it's promised without compromise. The unchanging God is covenant, making a covenant to faithfully love his people. We all, I'm sure, know of somebody who's betrayed somebody else that said that they would love them. When God makes a covenant, though, it's for eternity. Covenantal love. God established what is true, therefore, He is trustworthy. His exalted name and promise. And then in verse 3, David goes on, answered prayers, strength given. God has a track record of proving himself. As one commentator put it, if we are not seeing many answered prayers, 
we are probably not praying enough. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think the second part of that would be we're not praying correctly. We shouldn't be treating God like a vending machine. I put my quarters in God and you give me what I select and what I want as opposed to saying, God, I'll offer myself and heart to you and I want to receive your will for my life. In verses four through six, we see that anyone who hears and believes the word of the Lord, they will give thanks and praise to God, whether they are kings or the poor, whether they are the so-called greatest on this earth or the least. There's no favoritism with God. But the haughty, the prideful, God will keep a check on them. And there's times it feels like that he's not, that he's slacking in that department. I've been there. Why is that so-and-so? Good for nothing. Oops. Getting the raises and promotions and I'm not. Why are they seem to not have any financial difficulties, but I do? Why? Why does it seem like they always have good relationships, but I don't? Whatever the comparison game, we're telling ourselves, God does not forget and he keeps a check on them. God is exalted, therefore no one and no thing is greater. Yet he notices and loves each one of us. In verse 7, we see the psalmist move from his focus on God's words to focusing on God's works in his own life. God saving him from danger, from enemies. God's right hand will save him. The powerful, dominant hand that he rules and leads with, that's kind of what it's signifying here. It will save him. He's not even going to slack and use his left hand on him. (laughs) No offense to the lefties in the room. This is just what it meant back then. It's almost as if verse 7 is a reiteration of Psalm 23.4 that David penned. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then in verse 8, David summarizes what he stated throughout the chapter. The Lord will fulfill his promises, his faithful love endures forever. Did you read one of the two passages of Psalms this last couple weeks that I signed? I think it was 136, where after every statement, it proclaimed his faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. We have to beat that into our hearts. (laughs) I do. To be reminded that his faithful love endures forever. Whether I've got to change tires on my mower or change tires on my wife's van yesterday or (laughs) things far harder and much worse. His faithful love endures forever. God's words and his works give us love, strength, protection, and purpose. 
And as he closes this song, he asks God not to abandon the work of his hands, praying according to God's character and will. Of course God won't. Here's another example of praising and praying for God to act according to who he is. I believe that David stated this almost redundant statement for two reasons. One being, it's a reminder to his own heart that God will not quit or abandon that which is according to his character and will. That God won't stop. David is reminding himself in this that God is going to continue to act according to who he is and his will. That he will not abandon it. God's covenantal love And like David, we must preach, sing, and pray this to ourselves every day. Every day. Have you noticed how when you skip a day, and then two days, and then three days, and you start wondering if God cares or where is he at? He didn't change. He didn't move. You're drifting. We are drifting further away. The second reason I believe David prayed this is he knew he needed to continue to line his heart and will with God's. He knew how easily he could be tempted and enticed. Prone to wander, prone to stray, prone to leave the God I love as a hymn of Come Thou Fount says. And like David, we must continue to align our heart and will with God's. It's a choice we make every day. It's a choice we make when temptation comes. Am I going to continue to serve and follow him and align my will with his will? Or am I going to do what feels good and seems right in the moment? So as we were to prepare an elaborate meal like the kitchen crew did today for us, or a cake, or if you were to sew an intricate quilt or a piece of clothing, or those of you who scrapbook and do-it-yourself projects around the house, or even lifting a heavy mower off the ground, they can all be easier and have better results by learning and preparing and being equipped ahead of time. The same is true when it comes to lifting our praise to God even through the hard times. If we're not actively pursuing him through the good and the bad, we'll never get that chunk of pain off the ground. We'll never be able to truly praise him in spite of it all. And our loss is an intimate relationship with the creator of us, the creator of the universe. The only one who can truly love us. The only one who truly knows what's best for us. David elaborated on how he could, in this psalm and many other psalms, by committing and choosing, by remembering, and the right tools or equipment that we need to equip ourselves is, is God's word. 
do you ever stop and think about how valuable this is? How important this is. We have the very words of God written in black and white for us. Is this the most important book on your shelf? Is this the thing that you turn to first instead of the TV? Ouch. Is this the first thing you think about grabbing in the morning? The last thing you think about putting down at night? God's very words. If we're not studying and memorizing God's word, we are not equipping and preparing ourselves to be able to respond in praise for this season that we might be in or the season that might be coming up. And guys, this isn't a dime back novel to just skim over. I don't know if you know this or not, but that chapter we just read and I just breezed through, we could spend 8 to 12 weeks on that. <laughs> I mean, we spent 6 weeks in Psalm 23 for 6 verses. We could have spent longer. Scripture is so deep. It is living and active. You can read something today and in 10 years read it again and it means something completely different and new to you because the Holy Spirit speaking to you through it. If your only time in the word is when we're here together, you're not going to make it. I'm glad you're here. But this should be a celebration of what we're doing in our own time, in our own homes. That's what this is about on Sundays. I cannot spoon feed this to you. I don't think that's my job. Go deep in God's word. I've listed some resources on the back page of the communicator. Free resources online. And if you're not an online person, there's books at the library you can still get or you can borrow some out of the church library here. References, concordances, ways that you can go deeper. Understanding his word. I think training for these things is also in and through our prayer life. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. We need to. <laughs> How quickly do you find yourself driving down the road and all of a sudden your mind's over here on something and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Praying that God would act according to his will and nature his, because he's our good, good father. As we just sang, he, he loves us. You don't know what to pray? That's okay. He's got you covered. You can pray the Psalms. The whole book of Psalms is songs and prayers. You can pray Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. The Lord's Prayer, it's in 
Luke and Matthew. You can pray examples of prayers that Paul prayed for the churches as he wrote them letters in Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Talk to him. How do you get to know anybody? You talk. If you're feeling lonely and you're not talking, half of it's your fault. Talk. <laughs> talk to somebody. Last of all, I think being prepared for these times of life is being committed to a local body, a local church. See, as we gather together on Sundays here, other churches do it on Saturdays, to celebrate what God's been doing in our lives the rest of the week and how we've pursued Him throughout the week. This is a time that we get to come together to worship Him and to serve. If we're coming to get, then it's like we're going to Walmart for church. God will take care of the what you get. Trust me. He'll take care of the what you get. If you come to worship and you come to serve, He'll take care of the what you get. And when we ask you to join us in serving, whether it be Faith Kids or another ministry here, we're asking you to join us and experience a greater level of joy in the Lord. It's not because we have holes that need plugged. It's because you're missing out if you're not serving somewhere. Busy mamas with young kiddos at the home, I get that. You're serving, okay? You're serving. But if you ask anybody that you see constantly serving around here, I would bet every single one of them will say, yeah, there's days it's hard and there's days it's tiring. But on those days that I'm worn out and I don't want to do it and I show up and do it anyway, those were the days I was blessed the most. And being committed to a local church allows that. Scriptures clearly portray this throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, being committed and serving and worshiping with others. These tools that we talked about this morning are how we can still proclaim, yet I will praise him, but I will praise you, Lord. We must spiritually train and prepare so that when the storms come, the suffering comes, and even when the good things are here, we don't let it go to our head and think it's about us. And we're able to discern the difference what is eternally true versus what is just a moment in time. See our pain? If you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your pain is only temporary. Your suffering is only momentary. Someday he promises to wipe it all out. So keep on keeping on. Continue praying. Continue saying God's word. I hope that these last weeks there, maybe you've been more intentional about praying and reading and journaling. I hope that will continue. And just as a reminder next week, we're going to have a service where we will sing more songs, more opportunities to praise him together. 
as well as opportunities to share testimonies of what God has been doing in your heart and your life. Hopefully through this series, even if it doesn't have to do specifically with the series, but if God's moving and working in your life, we'd love for you to be able to share that. So please be praying about what God would have you say. Uh, Those times where we hear testimonies from everybody are some of my favorite services. Getting to praise God together of what he's doing. I would like to um, say one thing about the meal coming up. If you'd be courteous to our guests, our elderly, and our parents with young kiddos, and allowing them to line first, uh, that would be much appreciated. Uh, I'm going to pray for it. And listen, like we've done every week during this series, just if you need a space to just chill for a minute, the food will still be there. Um, This this is a safe spot. The guys have a video and a song to play if, if it just helps you have a moment to just kind of reflect and pause for a minute. Um, Kurt and Kayleen, where are you? Kurt's here. Kurt's here. She's in the nursery. Kurt's available if you'd like somebody to pray with him. Uh, Tony and Donna. Donna might have to slip back to the kitchen, but they're available to pray. I'm sure she'd pray over going back for the food uh, as well. Um, I'm available. Um, and we've got other... Tina, can I call you out? Would you pray with somebody? Thank you. Tina's who led worship. So if you'd just like for somebody to pray with you or for you for something, we're going to be available for a little bit in here. Um, During this song, if you need to go grab kiddos or head on to the meal, um, we understand that as well. Let me close this in prayer. Father, this morning, your servant David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned a song a song of praise and thanks, a song of resolution to bow down to you. He penned it in a way that we can read it hundreds of years later because of your purpose and because of your glory, Lord, that it can apply to us today on how we too can give you thanks. We too can sing your praise. We too can bow down even if we are being drowned by emotions of pain and suffering. God, you are so gracious to not only save us through the work of the cross, but also to be there for us, to give us your word, to equip us, and to help us along the way. Lord, I just feel inspired to pray specifically and deeply for those people who know you who do not yet have your word in their language. God, would you continue and further that work that would come about, God, that they could read your words in their language. God, let us not take that for granted just because we can have it on our phone or computer or several copies on our shelves, God, that it would be what we turn to at the end of the day and what we turn to at the beginning of the day. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in your precious and holy name.